Are gyms the next movie theaters? And the hack heard round the world. I'm Ryan, that's Brian, and these are your investment headlines from the last 14 days. Headline number one, the greatest hack in crypto history was actually just for kicks. Okay, Brian, I'm, I, I know you've heard this story because we talked about it a little bit, but one of the biggest hacks in crypto history happened this last week. Uh, it was a hack that totaled over $600 million from a company called Poly Network. It's a crypto project. It's a it's a it's what's called like a bridge protocol that uh, attempts to allow you to um, send money and transact with different chains, different blockchains, like from Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain and different uh, chains out there, kind of create this kind of bridge. Um, and so some hacker exploited this bridge and stole six hundred ten million dollars. Um, and, and you know, okay, okay. before, before you go on, yes. So I was watching a classic movie with my wife this past weekend, the Italian job. Yes. You seen that one? Yes, I have. I love that movie. Okay. Not the, not the original one. That's like super, super old, you know, but like oh, I didn't know there's an old one. Yeah. I don't yeah, watch old I, movies. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the one with Mark Wahlberg, you know, and it just made me think of this, uh, this hack right of 600 million dollars because like an italian job they were stealing gold bars right like gold is the you know now it's like the crypto right like they're not stealing gold bars like going in doing some crazy heist right you're you're going in there with the computer you're hacking and they were stealing 30 million dollars and they were like this is the biggest <laughs> ever you know like we're gonna all gonna be filthy rich and then there's this one dude stealing six hundred million dollars. You know, it just it just made me put things in perspective after watching the Italian job. What was actually happening? Yeah, right. And this is this is a lot easier. Exactly. This is probably some guy yeah. in his mother's basement um, sipping some energy drink uh, at even, his computer. Even though they're probably going to make a movie off this, right? <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah, they should. <laughs> so. News starts getting around that the Poly Network uh, had this huge hack they exploited and $600 million has been stolen of people's money, right? So uh, the Poly Network decides to take action and do what every responsible financial institution should do when they've been robbed. And uh, so the Poly Network sent out a polite letter to the hacker. And I want to read that to you, Brian. And I want you to see if you were the hacker, would this make you tremble in your boots? Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Dear hacker. <laughs> off, <laughs> off to a great start here. Menacing. Right, right. <laughs> we are the Poly Network team. We want to establish communication with you and urge you to return the hacked assets. The amount of money you hacked is the biggest one in DeFi history. Law enforcement in any country will regard this as a major economic crime, and you will be pursued. It is very unwise for you to do any further transactions. The money you stole are from tens of thousands of crypto community members, hence the people. You should talk to us to work out a solution. Sincerely, the Poly Network team. So, so what do you think of that that uh, letter, Brian? Do you think they did a good job at, uh, at uh, trying to secure everyone's funds? <laughs> To me, if I'm the hacker, I'm thinking, man, they're desperate. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, come on. This, like, this, this is their recovery strategy. It's sending out a polite little dear hacker letter. I mean, imagine your bank putting up a little notice by their vault that says, dear, dear thief, if you steal this money, please consider returning it. We urge you to return it. <laughs> anyway, so, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess, I, I guess, you know, what else can you do? But, I know. You have to try something. You got to try right? something. Um, but so immediately they, they let everyone know, the Poly Network let people know. And so what was interesting was um, you had a lot of these uh, companies, exchanges and um, Tether, for example, got involved and they froze the stolen funds. So because this is all, this is one of the benefits of crypto, because it's all on a blockchain, a public blockchain, you can track the movement of where all of those stolen funds go. You can see them sitting in this hacker's wallet so you can identify that wallet and say, hey, none of our protocols are going to interact with his wallet. You can identify the um, currency, the coins that are in that wallet, and you can freeze them. And so Tether, for example, froze $33 million worth of Tether that, were, that he had stolen so that he could not move them. Uh, and so, again, some benefits of dealing with blockchain versus you know a bank or some other institution was that you can view in real time where the money is and and you know what's happening to it and you can actually have some kind of countermeasures to prevent them from being able to do too much with those funds okay Okay. do they do things like that with like like marked dollar bills and things like that they try to like do things with currency right i think they might try to but i mean that seems like a very inefficient system versus this where you literally just can't do anything with it right right so then what happened uh, this is where things start to get a little weird, if things weren't weird already. The hacker, uh, well, so, so people start writing messages to the hacker. Because again, uh, you, know, you can see on the public blockchain, Ethereum's blockchain, uh, you can see his address, you can see the money sitting in his wallet, and uh, with the blockchain, you can actually send messages that are recorded permanently on the blockchain, the public blockchain. And so people started sending messages to this address talking to the hacker and it probably wasn't the kind of messages you would expect like please return them please please return our monies instead it was some guy gave the hacker a tip saying hey your tether has been blacklisted so don't even try moving that tether and you know giving him tips Uh, and then saying like hey you should use this protocol to try and launder the money and so people are just throwing out random tips and so then the hacker decided to reward this guy with 13 ether which is wow. I mean, it's actually 13.37 which is um a significant number but we don't have to talk about that um so 13.37 ether is forty one thousand dollars right now wow. so he rewards <laughs> this random huh? tipper forty one thousand dollars thanks for the tip well so <laughs> did he actually say that thanks for the tip yeah i believe he did something he referenced the tip and gave it to the guy so so again this is public so everyone sees this and so he starts the hacker starts getting flooded with all these public tips on the blockchain of people giving him suggestions and trying to help him out and all in the hope that he will reward them as well and he'll send them some of the money and and uh and it's bizarre because again this is a public blockchain i'll say that again so you can see everyone's addresses that's trying to help out the hacker. 
they're being an accomplish uh, accomplice in uh, this heist. And so if any anyone has their uh, their identities attached to those addresses, well, then you know the people that are trying to help out this guy who stole six hundred million dollars. Your wallet address is going to be blacklisted uh, on exchanges. They, can, you know, the authorities can contact you. All this stuff, um, <laughs> just because you're trying to help oh, out man. this hacker. Anyway, so then then the messages started deviating from this, uh, you know, helpful tips, and people just started like fan fanboying over this hacker, <laughs> and like obsessing over him. So you started get, he started getting some sob stories like. Oh, I've lost so much money. Please, hackers, send me some money. I, my my family's all died, and I need money. These these oh, sob geez. stories, and or there's another one. Some, so I'm looking at them right now. Um, so some of them said like, "Brother hacker, I have been abandoned. I always lose money in the coin circle. I hope brother can save me. You are my god." Oh or my or you're the legend. Thanks for giving us this another chance. I swear I'll donate to you after I receive your funds from Poly Network. Thank you, thank you, thank you from a fan with love. And so like people are like fawning over this hacker. Like you are amazing. You're incredible. You're my hero. I want to. Someone else said, "Hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a 13 year old, and I want to be a hacker just like you when I grow up." And, oh my goodness, and, this like, is getting bad and messy. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I don't think he sent money to anyone else. I, I haven't gone through all the logs. There's a ton of messages that people sent, uh, just, yeah, I am a huge fan. Could you please give me some of the money you stole? All this stuff. Anyways. So then, so then the hacker, he starts communicating back and it seems like, uh, he, he doesn't really know what to do with the money. And so he says, hmm, maybe I should set up a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. We've talked about those before. Um, so that we can let the people decide what I do with the money. What we know, should I create my own cryptocurrency? So we started like polling people, like what should I do with all this money that I just stole? And that went on for some days, uh, a day or two. And then he said, you know what? I could have made this a $1 billion hack, but I didn't. Because I actually care about Poly Network, I'm thinking about returning the money now. And after all that, after after all that, and so everyone's like, "Wait, wait, what?" Um, and uh, yeah, so so eventually he worked out something with uh, Poly Network. He didn't want to be um, labeled as a criminal, and so then the Poly Network said, "Hey, we'll just recognize you as a white hacker, white hat hacker." which, uh, again, is people that hack for good. And basically, we'll just consider you as someone who found a vulnerability and uh, and then told us about it before anyone else more devious could take advantage of it. And so they're just basically recognizing him as a white hat hacker. In fact, they started calling him Mr. White Hat. Um, since, you know, he's anonymous, no one knows who he is, but Mr. White Hat. Uh, and uh, so now he's revered as a hero, and he has returned... The money. He did? All, he's returned all the money? He's returned all the money except for the $33 million of Tether that were frozen. Uh, so he can't, he can't return those. But all the other funds, as far as I can tell, have been returned. Wow. And, That's nuts. And, uh, yeah. So everyone's money's back. Everyone's happy. And this guy is a hero, I guess. So he's, <laughs> have you seen the movie uh, Honest Thief with Liam Neeson? 
No. <laughs> it's a good one. It's on uh, Amazon Prime, I think. We just saw it a couple weekends ago. Basically, he's like the In-N-Out Bandit is what they called him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, not to give away the movie, but it's, you know, it's a, you can see it on the trailer. But he basically is a bank robber, and uh, he's robbed like 12 banks. And he decides that he wants to give all the money back because he didn't, mm. he like, have any, like, he didn't, he just robbed it because he could. Like, he didn't. Yeah, just for money. kicks, right. Exactly. Yeah, just for kicks. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. So, and and plus, then, uh, plus, plus the Binks probably sent him a dear robber letter that really cut him to the core. And basically he uh, calls the FBI and says, hey, I'm the In-N-Out Bandit. You know, I'm going to give all the money back. But because if I give the money back, I want a deal, right? I want to mm. spend less money in or spend less time in jail because I found a woman that I fell in love with and blah, blah, oh. blah. Basically, that's like the beginning of the movie, but then it takes a crazy turn. And yeah, anyway. So Interesting. <laughs> it, uh, this is like a, the, the, you know, the new and improved version of that. That's right. That's right. It's a more high-tech version of it. High-tech heist. honest thief. So, yeah, right. And so, in in res, in response, the Poly Network even offered him a five hundred thousand dollar bug bounty or reward for finding their vulnerability in their code, um, and he refused oh, that. that. Seems pretty low. It it does right. He refused it, saying it was never about the money. Um, so I, I don't know. Hearing this story, Brian, what do you think? Do you think he really was just like uh, all goody to like I, I'm just doing this for the good, just to benefit people. I'm not doing it to take advantage. Uh, or, or do you think there's something else going on there? It's hard to know because <laughs> the type of personality that hacks $600 million, like, they've got to be a weird person, right? I mean, not nothing against this person, but to do that, like, you're, there's going to be something off about you, right? Sure. And, and so it's hard to read somebody like that. But in just hearing the situation... It sounds like maybe he was in kind of a jam, right? Where maybe it was a little bit difficult to spend the money in the way that he wanted. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be a criminal where he just like lives in some island. And, you know, maybe he just realized like, hey, I wanted the money, but then uh, this is too much work. You know, I'd have to yep. live a completely different life and I give up. And what's the best way to get out of this without going to prison, you know? and. Yep. That's kind of how I see it. That, that's how I interpret it too. I, I kind of wonder if he didn't think it would actually work. And then right. he, he realized suddenly, holy cow, this worked. And now I have $600 million. What do I do? Like, it, cause it didn't seem like he had a plan. A lot in the, in the past, when people have hacked um, these protocols, immediately they're sending it off to launder um, so they can use that currency before the exchanges and like tether and other companies can lock down their currencies. Um, and, and so it seemed like he just had no plan because he didn't think it would actually work. And um, so then after a while, he realized, well, I've, I have no plan. And now uh, what if I get caught? What if something right. happens? And, and there was actually a, a firm, um, I think it's called Slow Mist or something, where they claimed that they had actually identified um, the hacker's um, uh, ad, uh, address and fingerprint. <laughs> and basically they knew his identity. Because of um, uh, KYC or know your customer, basically, you know, through crypto exchanges, you have to, um, when you sign up for crypto exchanges now, you have to um, show your identity, you know, like driver's license or whatever. And so they, they claim that because 
because of this, they could actually track down his identity and they knew who he was. And so I don't know if that was real or if that was a threat, uh, you know, just like trying to scare him a bluff. Yeah. Um, but maybe that played into it too. Um, but it really just seems like he didn't really think it'd work. He didn't have any plans for it. Suddenly he realized he had it. And then he realized his only way out of this was to come off as a hero. Um, I do also wonder, though, Poly Network actually mentioned it in the letter, where hacking crypto pro- protocols is a little bit different than robbing a bank, for example, in my mind. Because, I mean, I guess it, it isn't, it's just, but in my mind, it's, it's like, like Poly Network said, you're stealing from the people. And I guess if you ha- rob a bank, you're, you're stealing from a bank, too. I mean, it's stealing from people too, but I don't know. It just feels crypto feels more like you know, it's it's, it's a, a network of the people. It's finances of the people by the people for the people, and and so you're you're robbing from the people to give to the yourself. Like it, right. it just seems different. And I don't know if that means anything. There obviously are still a lot of hacks that go on, but I wonder if this kind of sets a precedence in the future for other white hat hackers to look for exploits uh, and then in t- instead of taking advantage of them they actually reveal them to the the project fa- devs developers and makes the product the, the project more secure and safer overall honestly this is probably like the happiest ending of all time you know what i mean like because yeah. th- how much does this add to the story of crypto you know what i mean like mm-hmm. the biggest yeah, the hack of all time. The hacker, because he loves the crypto community so much and wants, you know, this thing to continue to grow, like he gives it all back and adds to its success. You know what I mean? Like that's like the happiest ending possible for, <laughs> for like versus like some, you know, currency that is so corrupt that bureaucrats, you know, all these like people just want to take advantage of this system versus mm-hmm. like you said, like, You've got this hacker who's giving the money back to the people because, you know, in theory, he was feeling guilty. Hey, this is for the people. You know right. what I mean? So right. I'm not. I'm not stealing from the the rich and the, um, you know, like the the the, the wealthy people on Wall Street government, or whatever. You're, you're yeah, yeah, the government, all like the corrupt institutions. And you're stealing from the people. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of cool. Um, and you know, um, the the story actually ends. The the Poly Network actually offered the hacker, a position uh, at, at, to work on the project with them it's called their uh, chief security officer. Um, so that's he crazy. seems like a pretty high up job, whatever that means. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how this story would end, uh, is them offering him a job to work with them. I don't think he's going <laughs> to take up that job because uh, I think that might blow his anonymity. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't about the money, as he says. Uh, but, but yeah. I, you know, I guess I guess they're all friends and everyone's happy. So, so why not end it on a good note? And, and so it's interesting, though. Like I said, I, I'm interested to see if this paves the way for something more in the future, more stuff like this. Um, because even today, actually, another white hat hacker uh, talked to um, the developers for Sushi Swap and said that he actually uncovered a bug that he could have exploited for $350 million. But he told them about it, and they're patching it up so that no one can take advantage of it. Um, 
So yet another white hat hacker, and that was just a week later. Like, you know, within the same week, there's been two white hat hackers, uh, you know, helping save billions, uh, over a billion dollars. And uh, That's crazy. So anyway, good stuff in the, in the crypto community. I, I think overall it's positive. Like I said, uh, first of all, showing how um, the crypto community has evolved in terms of their security measures um, with uh, the different exchanges and um, companies reacting immediately to help track and lock down this stolen money. So that limits what the hackers can actually do with the stolen funds. Um, but then also just kind of the, the, the overall sentiment towards these hackers. Um, so anyway, uh, One step back and two steps forward, right? That's right. So uh, there's, there's your happy little story for the week. Headline number two, are gyms the next movie theaters? Hmm. But before we talk about gyms, I want to first talk about the re- the retail sales report that was just released today. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I promise I'll come full circle with this. It might be kind of a round <laughs> roundabout way of getting there. But I trust so, you, Brian. Okay. Well, the stock market sold off today. Yes, it did. Uh, and one of the thoughts on why is because the retail sales was worse than expected. And I guess uh, economists were expecting like a drop of 0.3%, but it was actually down 1.1%. So like almost four times the amount that they were thinking. Hmm. And we've we've talked about this report in the past, but it's generally considered like an indicator on how the consumer is doing, you know, and and, uh, we know that the consumer makes up the bulk of our economy, right? So um, if, if the consumer's, spending money doing well then usually that's a good sign for our economy and and the growth versus you know if it's not then that means there might be some slowing and with stimulus drying out for the most part and the delta virus you know is making people less willing to go out and spend money we could be in a little bit of you know a a spending slowdown maybe some slowing in our economy but uh, that's to be determined. We're not sure about that yet. But one sector of retail sales that didn't do very well was clothing store sales, hmm. which saw a 2.6% decline. So, so here's what I'm... <laughs> is, is that because everyone's wearing PJs now to work? <laughs> so here's what I'm going with this. I've, I've basically had to buy a whole new wardrobe over the last few months because I've put on the COVID-19, you know what I mean? No, I don't. <laughs> what does that mean, Brent? <laughs> put on the COVID-19, like 19 pounds. Oh, I haven't know? heard that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> basically, I've, I've gained some weight and, you know, not my clothes aren't fitting as they were, mm. right? Because I haven't been going to the gym as much, you know, because of, you know, the pandemic and stuff. And I'm not alone. Uh, you know, I saw a survey that estimated that 42% of adults in the U.S. has gained unwanted weight during the pandemic with an average wow. gain of 29 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. 29 so pounds? Of, yeah. So think about gaining 30 pounds. Like, do you think you're going to fit in your clothes very well, Ryan? Like, <sighs> no. I can tell you right now, it, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of shocking to me that those people who gained weight 
are just trying trying to squeeze into their clothes maybe and not huh. willing to buy newer clothes i guess because like i said the 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 uh, clothing stores saw a, a decline in sales i think it's because everyone's wearing their pjs to work brian <laughs> they're just bagging they're they wearing their stretchy clothes stretchy. yeah maybe maybe that's it because they can work from home yeah or maybe there's just a pull forward you know of of sales when people were we're buying all the, I think, what is it called? Athleisure wear or whatever it's yes, called. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, like you said, are stretchy. So mm-hmm. it has some expanding it can yep. do. Yep. But as you can imagine, gym memberships, you know, over the last eight months or so this year, and other fitness memberships like Orange Theory and boot camps, they're exploding again because people want to get back into shape Meanwhile, during this whole pandemic, companies like Peloton and Beachbody, they've been the work at work out from home winners, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the CEO of Peloton recently said in a quote, I can commit to hyper growth. What we're seeing is a shift where people want to work out in the home. It is the future of fitness, COVID or not. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how movie theaters are probably going extinct, right? Unless they can innovate massively in the next several years. And I mean, they might be kind of a relic, right? Uh, and so we can relate this to gyms, uh, possibly, right? Hmm. Right now we're seeing people flood to the gyms, but do you think eventually gym equipment will be tailored enough to a home and be affordable enough that it will be rare to go to a gym to work out. I mean, cause think about it. Like when I was working out at home, that was so nice. I would get done with work, close my laptop, throw on some, some workout clothes and just start working out immediately. Right? No travel, you know, I have some equipment, but what if you were able to, you know, make it even better experience at home, have the space, people are buying bigger homes, right? Are you investing? Here's my question for you, Ryan. Are you investing into the Peloton companies over the planet fitness companies? What do you think? You think they both coexist or one of them takes over or stays in power? Well, well, you say, Brian, it was so convenient and nice to be able to work out at home, but it also sounds like you didn't work out at home a whole lot. If you gain the COVID nineteen, it's true. It's true. It's I don't have the greatest equipment. Like, right? oh, I can't. Okay. Uh, I can't do everything that I want to. So I, I think that is key. And I've actually never had the you know workout at home equipment other than like you know some free weights um, and YouTube videos that I watch and, and work out along with. Right. In fact, it, right. during the pandemic, I, I actually started doing that was watching YouTube videos and working out just so I did something. Um, but I can also say that, um, I have actually been going to the gym for the first time pretty much my life, uh, this month, actually just this month I started going to the gym. Um, what do you think? Give us some thoughts on it. Yeah. So, I I mean, like I said, so I was working out at home and obviously again, I didn't have the nicest equipment, but even though it's convenient, I just, I, I couldn't push myself as hard. You still have yep. all of the distractions at home. You still have the mindset of being at home, uh, you know, being comfortable at home. Uh, I have young kids. And so, like, my 
one-year-old would come and sit on my face while I was doing sit-ups. You know, like, <laughs> so that you have all the distractions at home versus going somewhere dedicated to working out, knowing that you're going there for that reason, no other reason. Um, you're not going there to be comfortable. You're going there to work out. And that has a different mindset. And I think I work out so much harder. Yes, they also have equipment there. But sometimes, like, I, I go on the run on, on the ellipticals at the gym. I have an elliptical at my house. And I can push myself so much harder at the gym compared to at my house. Yeah, there's definitely a mentality shift when you go to the gym. You're paying for it, right? You're there. Right. You have no distractions. Even though, hey, your kid, you know, that adds some resistance to your training. Man. That's gotta help. Not if she's sitting practice. on my face. I'm not using my <laughs> face during sit-ups. Your, your neck muscles. <laughs> but here, here's the thing that I think is the key, which this is why Peloton is a cult, right? Because that's what it is. I mean, it, it, the stock has skyrocketed. People are obsessed with their Peloton. They pay astronomical amounts for a bike, right, mm-hmm. or a treadmill, or whatever it is. Um, and they've they've encompassed the gym experience because why do you go to the gym a lot of the times or go to some kind of boot camp or Orange Theory or whatever? It's because of the social aspect, right? It's because right. Of the, you see other people pushing it hard. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, oh, that person's jacked, man. That guy is sweating like crazy. I need to push it hard. I want to look good in front of people, right? I don't want to look like a wussy, you know, so I'm yeah. going to push myself. Versus when you're at home... You know, you don't really have that drive. You're the only person there that's actually working out. That camaraderie, Peloton, they've encompassed that with technology where they have. I, I've never used a Peloton uh, workout machine, but it sounds like there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of like social aspect with it, a lot of competition, uh, which obviously is working for, for getting results, but also for their stock. That's true. I, I can see that. But I still don't think, I don't think they have a video on you, right? So I think it's more just the competition where you see your name on a screen and your your points, quote unquote, are going higher than other people, right? That's the, right. That's the social aspect. Um, I, again, I don't know, maybe there's more to it, but, uh, but it doesn't quite capture it all. And, and so maybe, I don't know, I, I just don't, I, I don't see it. I, I, so I will answer your question by saying I would rather uh, invest in gym gyms right now uh, rather than work at home equipment companies. So you you don't think it is the movie theater business? It's it's sticking around. You can't replace that. Yeah, it's irreplaceable. It's irreplaceable. You know, I think you know stuff like Peloton. It makes total sense why they had a a, a surge in sales. You know, during the pandemic. I just don't see another you know, event that will trigger that kind of growth again. I mean, sure, it may keep going up, but uh, I just I just don't see it replacing gyms. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm kind of in the middle, not to be a cop out here, but I, I do really believe that both can co- coexist pretty strongly. I, I Maybe you find yourself in one camp or the other, or I, I think I even read somewhere that um, like a big chunk of people that own a Peloton actually own a gym membership as well. Really? So, yeah, which is kind of interesting, but um, maybe you just need to use that as a supplement to your workout, right? You mm. know, where you don't have time necessarily that day to go to the gym and spend a whole hour, but you can jump on a bike for 15 minutes okay. and push it hard. Yeah, sure. You know, something like that. Uh, so I think it, it could could be a 
kind of like how the whole work from home, how there's a blend, right? Some people come mm -hmm. in once or twice a week and then you work the other days from from home. Maybe it's going to be something similar. Boy, Brian, you pose the question then give us a wishy-washy answer. <laughs> it makes sense, but yeah, that's, I, I was hoping that... for a strong stance there. Isn't that what every good analyst does? Is they always <laughs> pose a question and then just take the middle, that's middle right. seat? It, yeah, that's, I suppose that's true. Yeah, Because that way you, you're, you're right both ways. <laughs> Headline number three, the weirdest mashups of the week. Okay, so close this one out. I wanted to cover some of the weird, weirder or um, unexpected, I guess, partnerships that we've been seeing in crypto. Uh, and so this is going to be kind of more rapid fire, but I want to get kind of your, your feedback on some of these uh, instant reactions of of what you think about these partnerships, these mashups that have happened in crypto. So the first one, the U.S. government and shadowy super coders. Okay, they're working together. Uh, the government and shadowy super coders. So have you heard that term, shadowy super coders, Brian? No, I haven't. Okay, um, that was something that Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Uh, used in some Congress speech that she gave, basically where she was she was slandering crypto and saying it's it's a menace to our society and we need to regulate it and get rid of it because it's all being run by shadowy super coders. And uh, a lot of people in crypto made fun of her for that because it's like, <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, I guess she's talking about Satoshi Nakamoto would be the shadowy super coder. Uh, but... Uh, for pretty much every other major DeFi protocol, we know who the the uh, developers are. So they're not really shadowy. Anyways, um, but the U.S. government though has decided to start working with uh, super coders or another or uh, white hat hackers. Actually, so again, we mentioned that ah. once again here. But the government is actually offering uh, the crypto that they I think that they seize from different uh, uh, I don't know cr criminals. Um, that they're seizing, they're using that seized crypto to now entice white hat hackers to surf the dark web and give them intel and information from the dark web. So um, kind of like a bounty. Uh, and so they are uh, enticing these these uh, intelligent people who know the, the realm to act as informants. And I think that's a really mm -hmm. cool move uh, by the U.S. government. Uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, that's very, very... Yeah, resourceful. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I can I can see how that can be helpful for, for sure. Sure. So I thought that's a cool little mashup. Um, good job, U.S. government, uh, for using your 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 uh, seized crypto for good use. Um, <laughs> and, and again, hopefully that that just encourages the rise of more white hat hackers uh, for for building this space. Okay, the next one, TikTok and Ethereum. Uh, it's actually. TikTok and Ethereum and Solana, actually. Uh, so mm. TikTok, Brian, you're familiar with t TikTok, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm I've, sure you I've have been on there, but oh, I was gonna it. say, I'm sure your account is blowing up. You have so many great videos over there. <laughs> um, so TikTok is a, a social platform. I don't really use it much either, but I think it's a social video platform, and uh, people dan dance. dance. I, I have a neighbor. They're like they have like teen, young teenage girls, and I always see them dancing out in their their front yard in front of their phones and i assume okay. that it's a tiktok thing that they're recording cause, probably because they, they always feel, uh, act embarrassed when i drive by like as if they don't want anyone <laughs> watching them but yet they're gonna put it on the internet for everyone to watch so 
<laughs> they don't want to see how it's made, right? <laughs> right. It's like eating a, a hamburger. You don't want to see how it's made. You just yeah, want to eat the burger. I suppose so. Anyway, I, 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 I'm older. I don't, I don't get it. Anyways, I'm sure young people get it. Anyways, um, but, but TikTok has partnered with um, a decentralized protocol built on Ethereum as well as Solana. Uh, those are two smart contract platforms. Um, called It's called Audius. And it's an audio platform. It's like a decentralized version of Spotify. Uh, and so you can imagine Spotify with all the songs that they have. Now imagine it decentralized where instead of the fees going to Spotify, the company, the fees all go to the artists that are um, putting their money, uh, putting their songs on the platform. And I think Spotify does pay artists as well. But but this is more uh, about rewarding the artists, the musicians. All of the money goes back to the musicians. Uh, anyways, uh, and so it's really grown. And Audius, I think I saw some stat that they have like millions of users now. It's, it's getting pretty big. And I guess it's gotten big enough to the point where uh, TikTok, a large, giant social media platform, has actually integrated with Audius. And so now you can use um, songs straight from Audius into your TikToks. And uh, I don't know how that, wow. that works with like the royalties and the fee payments. If if people on Audius are being paid the musicians on audience are being paid if their songs being used on tiktok i assume that's how it works i don't really know how all that works with tiktok but um kind of cool that a decentralized project is being um highlighted in such a big platform yeah that's huge and the last one is uh nfts and etsy so nfts uh, again we talked about this recently they've had another explosion uh, and in some ways, the, the, the bubble has kind of popped a little bit recently. Some of the very expensive NFTs have been coming down in price. Um, but uh, OpenSea, which is a decentralized NFT marketplace, they, they advertise themselves as decentralized eBay, essentially, um, where you can go and sell your NFTs. Anyway, OpenSea has just surpassed the monthly volume and sales uh, of Etsy. So now there are more people are buying and selling NFTs on that particular NFT marketplace and OpenSea compared to people buying real world goods on Etsy. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think that that reflects the, the uh, desire for NFTs. Um, they, they are more than just pictures, although that's what everyone sees them as is, it's just digital pictures, um, but but there's there's a there's a market for it. People are buying over a billion dollars in sales in the last month alone on OpenSea. So, what was that one movie that uh, basically you're just living in a video game? What was it? Remember that game that that uh, movie was? Um, <laughs> Ready Player Ready one Player One. Yeah, I yeah, haven't yeah. seen it, but yeah, I've heard of it. Can't you just imagine a world where we're just plugging in and and we're just living in this video game and just use, looking at our NFTs? And <laughs> well, Brian, that's that's the metaverse. That's that's gonna happen. You know that's gonna happen. Oh, that's gonna be. I mean, where you can buy your avatar, which you can use your NFT as an avatar. Maybe you have, uh, you know, you wanna have some character that you buy and use it in the actual metaverse, and it's your it's yours to own and. You can buy clothing to put on your character and all these instead NFTs of, you're combining. Instead of spending 
currency on actual clothing items made by somebody <laughs> That's on right. Etsy. You buy your virtual, you know, digital clothes or whatever they're selling on mm-hmm. on uh, on that exchange, that marketplace. Exactly. <laughs> what is it called? Open Sea. Open Sea. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah. So, and I, th- I imagine this will continue until the NFT bubble pops, if it pops. Um, but uh, good stuff. D- digital is better than physical right now. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. If you'd like more Fool's Gold content, check us out on the socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fool's Gold. That's G-O-A-L-E-D. But until next time, Brian, I will talk to you later.